You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast with Eric. Hey. Eric, tell me, I, I guess the question I've been asking now is what defines you? What defines me? Wow, that's a that's a tough question. It's a thinker. I'm telling you, thank God to the Power Ranger guy I had on the episode. You, he knows who he is. <laughs> um, I would say that what defines me is my passion and persistence in everything that I do. That's probably as close to a definition of who I am as possible. <laughs> Where do you find the passion and persistence is, I guess, pointed towards now? Like what's right what's now. the main thing on the mind? Yeah, so the main thing that I'm focusing on is getting justice for my baby brother who was murdered, along with a bunch of other people in New Mexico where I live who have cases that are unsolved um, that's what's driving me. That's what's pushing me. And, and that's where you see my passion and persistence the most right now. Okay. I would like to know a little bit more about what's going on, but I do want to shout out a, a, what thing I'm very, very passionate about recently that I've discovered from a podcast of Joe Rogan's with Josh Dubin and the Innocence Project about finding people who are wrongfully convicted and sent away. Um, I think that's crazy about our system also. And I think a lot of people that should be locked up get away pretty easily. And I think people that, you know, shouldn't be in there at all have been locked away for way too long over something stupid as maybe even a drug charge or maybe just wrong place, wrong time. And it sucks because the reason, not only the factor of losing time, but like for me, I'm experiencing a court case right now with my medical insurance. And it seems like my medical insurance is going to win on the aspect of I am one guy going up against a giant medical insurance company and I have nobody standing on my side for it. It's just me. So me, you know, I, I did everything they asked, mm -hmm. but they still said no because the insurance cost for my medication is way too much money. So I sat in October 4th in a waiting room like this on Zoom in a waiting room saying the judge will come get me for three hours. And then I called them the 20th time they picked up. And they said the judge had left early and they're going to get a sit-in judge for me. Judge comes in and says, we can't put your insurance company at fault because we don't know if they showed up or not. So now we have to reschedule and wait another month. I'm like, dude, this has been going on since December. It's almost a year now. What is with our system where someone can't get help when they actually need it? It's a big issue. And I'm really like trying to understand how it could be so much like the movies where it could, people could be taken advantage of. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I've learned doing um, my first show that justice really isn't just. Um, and even for the people that get some sort of justice, it's still probably not what's deserved or what what they need or what they want. Uh, it It's been a very frustrating process learning about the way the court systems work and, and the way systems are set up. Um, it's really, especially in New Mexico, I don't know what it's like where you're at, but you know, this state in particular is very defendant friendly and 
the victims are almost treated worse than than the suspects than the criminals and it's just it's been eye-opening for me it's been frustrating to learn this you know in new mexico if you and i don't want to advertise this to encourage this to happen but if you don't have a record and you get charged with involuntary manslaughter there's a really good chance like probably 90 percent chance that you'll end up with just probation that okay how is that possible with no time being put in even if you don't have a record that is still is it because the factor of saying involuntary light lessens it it could be involuntary or volu or voluntary manslaughter either way that that charge in in the state of new mexico the maximum sentence is so low already so the judge will consider and because of the way that our sentencing guidelines are basically what happens is there's a chart like a, an Excel spreadsheet chart next to the judge's desk and they look at the chart and they factor in all the things. And then they're basically like, Oh, here's your sentence based on this chart, as opposed to you just killed somebody, you know, whether it's on purpose or not, you've just killed somebody, yeah. which is the worst crime you could commit in this society. Uh, but we're going to give you probation because the chart tells me that. That's weird to see that shift in it. And in where you're located on the factor of like, if you look in other states, it's a death penalty for killing someone like that. Like it seems different states have different is, I guess that's on a concept of morality, but you got to think if, so what got you interested in doing this? Like, can you explain to me the story? Cause you said that you're trying to get innocent. You're trying to get, I guess, reparation for your brother. So I want to understand a little bit more on the factor of that. Cause I don't know the story behind this. Yeah. It's a, it's a big bummer. <laughs> so, uh, just be prepared for that. Um, so my stepdad, uh, when I was about five years old, uh, met my mom, they started dating and a bunch of stuff started happening to my little brother. He was a baby. He was about six months old. Um, he started to have bruises on his body, unexplained injuries, uh, just really weird stuff. And then his personality changed. So prior to my mom being with this man, uh, he was happy. He was a daredevil. He was crazy. He didn't really fuss or cry that much. He was just a, a overall happy child. And within a couple of months of my mom dating this man, he started to become very fearful and very fussy and clingy. Like he would not want to go near my mom's boyfriend at the time. Um, if you try to pick him up, you know, even like this closer to your face, he would start clawing at your hair um, whereas before he loved to be tossed in the air and, you know, played with like most babies do. Um, so he, he died. My brother died when I was six, he was nine months old. And, um, it was very clear eventually. I don't think it was so clear in the beginning, but it was very clear eventually that, uh, my stepdad at the time had been abusing him for quite some time. And when my brother died or when he had the the injuries that led to his death uh, the only person with him was my stepfather and um i found out later because basically my mom believed him didn't know what to think he was a typical narcissist in the sense that he love bombed us early on in the relationship and for those of you who don't know what that means, it's just somebody who is a manipulative, controlling person will Very shower you. Very good at playing you. an act. 
Right. They will shower you in the early stages of that relationship with love and affection and attention and all the things that you want. And so that will like kind of downplay any doubts you have about them as a person. Um, and then something switches inside their head eventually and they start becoming abusive. So anyway, she stayed with him for a few years after he, after this happened and he became physically abusive with her and abusive with me as well. And, um, nobody ever charged him with murder. So the state police did an investigation after my brother died. Um, they gave him a polygraph exam. He claimed that he passed it, but I found out later that he failed it. Um, the state police sent the file to the district attorney, which is the process to press charges because they had ruled that there was something, you know, something happened. And the DA refused to, to investigate it or even press charges because when the police asked my mom right after this happened, if she thought her boyfriend was capable of this, she said, I don't think so. And so the DA took that to mean that he didn't do it. The DA took that as an alibi. But the thing is, we didn't think that was possible. We didn't think he was capable of that because up until that point, he had been very good with us. Now, if you fast forward to, so this was in 87. If you fast forward to 1992, my mom has left this man because she found out he's trying to groom my 14 year old cousin so that he can sexually abuse her. So my mom leaves him. She goes to the police after having been abused for several years and says, and she goes to the DA and says, Hey, uh, I want you to look into my son's murder because I'm now convinced that this man is responsible. Right? So the DA said, you're just being vindictive because you're going through a divorce and you changed your story. So I'm not going to press charges. I, I can sense where you could get upset over something like that, but I also try and look at his perspective of maybe that's the common thing that he's dealt with a lot too. But what okay. sucks is as an issue is the fact that they took that I don't think to mean that he didn't do it, because right. then at that point, they're going to keep referring to that later in the case. Well, and it's not an alibi. An alibi is where you say this person was with me the entire time. He was not near that person. He did not kill that person because I was there with him. That's an alibi. An alibi isn't I don't think he's capable of this. Right. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't alibi what happened. Plus nobody else was there. Okay. So it gets a little more muddy and a little bit more convoluted, but at the end of the day, we had the case reopened by the state police in 2005. They did an investigation with a cold case investigator and they found out that, um, not only did he fail the lie detector test, which we did not know, but the DA knew, but he also confessed to the murder. Okay. Now, with that though, why, why is, why, why did he not get punishment for that? That's a good question. That's an excellent question. <laughs> Here's the thing: in 2005, the uh, transcript and the recording of the confession were missing. All right, uh, as well as several other important pieces of evidence that had been listed in the original report 
they're nowhere to be found. Um, this man, my stepfather at the time, I'm not going to use his name because he hasn't been charged yet. Uh, he worked for the county in the town that I grew up in. He had the keys to every office in the county, including the district attorney's office. Um, he played basketball with the city police every single Saturday. He was friends with the district attorney. Everybody in town knew him. Whenever my mom would call and she was completely beat up, black and blue, the police would do nothing because they were his friends. Um, he has no record. He has zero record. And for somebody who is that abusive, and I didn't go into the details, but it's, it's severe, uh, there's no way that he changed his behavior. You know, he continued to do this after my mom left him. So for him to not have a record, there's a lot of things that just don't add up in this case. There's sketchy business. It's the, it's the issue of people always think, oh, it's not that person. It's not that person. I'm like, if you watch any single movie, movies have hints of some realism to it when it comes to the factor of it probably was that fucking dude. It probably was mm -hmm. the pastor. It probably was the priest. But to think that in a system that's already really, really messed up, I think we definitely need a whole reconstructive decision on our legislative system, our judicial system for sure. Mm -hmm. But the factor of that you can be best friends and they can make things go away with something just because you fund a certain, I always fund the police department. I always fund this. This is an issue of morality. It's not an issue of who funds right. who. And that's, that's terrible that that's happening. Well, and here's the thing for me, you know, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that, that this may never go to trial. You know, I've accepted that. Um, I'm fighting for it too. I still want it to, but I've come to terms with that. And if that never happens, then I'm, I'm going to be okay. But what I want to see happen is I want to take away in this state, the right of prosecutors to refuse to prosecute a case because they feel it's unwinnable or because it's too difficult uh, when it pertains to the death of a child. I feel like you should be compelled as a prosecutor. You should not have the prerogative to decide to not prosecute because you just don't think it's, it's a case that you want to spend your time on or because your strengths don't align with it or whatever the, the case may be. Um, and, and that's not to discount the judgment of most district attorneys and prosecutors. I'm sure there are some that are very good, you know, that are really fighting for justice, but I've, I've learned through this process that, that that is a, a prerogative that a prosecutor has. They can just look at the case and say, you know what, I don't think I can win. That's not going to be good for my career. So I'm not going to pursue it. The issue is when we look at what the judicial system is in the grand scheme of things, that's a fucking game. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you put somebody's mind in a game stat thing, it's always seen as it's not the participation trophy. It's a factor of win, lose, win, lose. I'm going to do anything I possibly can, hide any evidence and leave out crucial details or just be manipulating. It all comes down to a salesman. How good is that fucking per person of a wordsmith that's able yeah. to craft? There's some conspiracy theories I've tossed out on here where I've convinced myself. I'm like, hang on a second wait a minute, what did I just do to myself? Because now I'm stuck in this rabbit hole where I feel like this might be true. When it comes mm -hmm. to prosecutors, when it comes to defense, he turn, everything is seen as I got to do my best to win, win, win. And no matter what the cost is, and this is the issue because then you're missing out on what is actually right and what is actually wrong. I think there's an issue with judges. I think it comes down to a concept of they're given so many cases to work through 
they need maybe eight or up to 10 a year, enough to where you can actually full on take an analysis and a study of the actual case and see both perspectives, so understand mm-hmm. their perspective and understand your perspective of where you're coming from and what you're seeing through their eyes. So they can pick up who's got the notes here, who's got the one where it's like, all the signs are there, the reactions of the boy acting differently when the stepfather came into the picture. It's a sign of defense, a sign of a struggle that he's been abused before. That's pathologically there. So you look at things of that sort and how that can get slipped under a carpet, even though if you say that to anybody on the street and they look at that, they look at everything else and they start saying, well, this isn't here though. This isn't here. I can't find that paperwork you're talking about. It's not there. It's gone. Where did that go? Understand our system is capable of doing that, but people look at the government as red, white, and blue, think it's all true. I'm not pro-anarchy. I'm pro of a system that's run by people, and people are known to do what's best for themselves, sadly, well, in a society today. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's a, a huge part of it, right? Like, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what needs to happen is that these people need to be held accountable to the people right? Your job is to handle justice in this state. So if that's your job, right? Uh, Win or lose, you've got to give it whatever you can to make it happen. And if we're not willing to stand up and call bullshit when people are playing political games with people's lives, right? My, My family's trauma, my family's loss is not a game, it's real. My baby brother died at nine months old and I don't give a shit about politics or about your career or about anything. All I care about is that you get this monster off the street so he can no longer hurt anybody else because everybody who's turned the other way is complicit in whatever other abuse that he's done since my mom left him. They're all responsible. I can't relate on that level of what it's like to lose someone like that, but I've had, um, my grandma had four kids. She lost one to cancer at the age of like 26 and they were going to build a statue of him in our town. We, this was when my town was first becoming like a thing, um, not what it is today. And they got over 10,000 people to sign a petition because this guy was like a known surfer in the area. He was known to, you know, be loved by everyone. So people spent thousands, I think close to almost a million something dollars to build this giant silver statue. Like the silver surfer, he's riding a Mm -hmm. giant ocean wave with sea turtles. Well, this was probably like 30 something years ago. And that statue is still not built. It's sitting in a warehouse in like seven states away, all for just bullshit billing that just keeps going through. They keep passing it they keep passing it they just keep throwing it under the table and not focusing on it to the point where it's now us up to us grandkids to try and get this thing for my grandma just to have a little closure for her son that she had lost mm-hmm. their main thing was they didn't want a giant statue that was naked in town i was like but there was no crotch it was just a silver server statue that's all it was and they were like we don't want that you know what we want we want dolphins we want dolphins so that ended up getting built. We have dolphins at the main first street part. Then we're like, okay, we'll play the game. We'll get shorts on the statue. We did that. Another statue spot opened up. Well, 
Guess what they built there? Sea turtles. They didn't want a giant statue of a surfer there that meant more to this town than some fucking dolphins. But we're a tourist town. And people are like, well, people will know more about dolphins. But you have a person with a story, one that you can put on a little monument there. So this thing has been sitting in this warehouse to where me and my brother have to figure out how to come up with like a, a large amount of money, like a hundred thousand dollars, just to be able to take it there, then find a spot where we can. Because I'm thinking, hey, let's get this statue and let's give it to our grandmom. She could put it in our yard. Mm-hmm. You have to find a place and a plot to put it there. And then there's also another tax that goes on it for every year for having a memorial statue. It's like, what, what, what games are you creating here? Do you just not like you just want your whatever fits your view here? Mm-hmm. That's on no level in any relation to yours, but on the fact of how such bullshit can be brought up in cases like this where just they're always throwing something at you where it's like playing tennis except you're never fucking winning it's waiting for you to take a slip yeah well or waiting for you to give up honestly is is what it feels like here and that's where my persistence comes in (laughs) i don't give up i'm not gonna stop um and like i said i may never get justice for my brother that might never happen um but i can change things so that nobody ever has to go through what my family went through again uh, so that other kids are more protected in this state and you know my brother for me is is like a, a guidepost in the story of new mexico um and then as the years progress and as we get to now we're 33 years out from his death and we see case after case after case of child murder happening in the state and warning signs and child protective services is involved, but they don't do anything or the police refuses to look into it. This continues to happen. And so my whole drive, my whole mission in creating true consequences was to talk about this stuff, to make people aware that, you know, yeah, you get outraged every time this happens, every couple of years, everyone gets outraged and then they forget. And then it happens again. And nobody does anything nobody's talking about it people just ignore it or they say i don't want to hear that it's too gruesome i can't deal with stories about kids who are killed i get it but you can't ignore the problem away it's not going to go away on its own we have to talk about it do you feel like you're fighting a system that is resistant to change or do you feel like a system that's already just too mucked up to the point where it seems like you're scratching at something that's never going to be heard um The problem is that for legislators and government officials, if they haven't been personally affected by something, it's really hard for them to find the energy to put into something like this. So until the governor's kid is abused, until a state senator's kid is abused, we're not going to see an a massive change unless the people call their representatives and harass them about it. That's the only way they're going to do anything because there's no motivation there. What's their motivation? They don't have any. But someone like you saying that story though, it's a benefit to the podcast because you're able to motivate people like myself. Like I'm pissed off just hearing it, but I've also had occurrences where it's like, I've had the same thing being kind of dragged around like I'm a dog on a leash Mm -hmm. you know they're just waiting for me to drop or waiting for me to slip up or something for me to stop and it's it's hard to keep that motivation and I'll tell you right now with that medical thing I gave up 
I, after, I've been experiencing this since my birthday on December. And then next thing I know, after I did all the medications they asked for to get this thing, I jumped through all the hoops for two months. I had to do this straight, pick up this medication. Coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down where I'm lying on my bathroom floor calling a number that's not there. Nobody's on the other end. It's just ringing and ringing and ringing, hoping for the love of God somebody picks up. They open back up and give me a call. I was already like, I'm over it. I don't, I don't, I need this in my life. It's too much stress. I've had a month of just giving up now. I'm, I'm com- complete with that. Well, they gave me a court date, said, just go to it. My doctors are forcing me to go because they don't want this to happen to anybody else because it happens too much. I go, they canceled it without even telling me. I had to drive all the way back home an hour, whatever away. Next thing I know, I show up to do this appointment on a Zoom meeting. Nobody shows up for three hours. I watched Avengers Endgame on my phone. Now they're telling me my next date's November 5th and they might show up, but what encouragement do I have? What do I have? I've already been dragged around for too long, hoping that it's just going to go away. Like it doesn't make sense that a system can be so flawed like this, but it is. And people don't really believe it until they see it. And if it's in a Netflix documentary, you're not going to sink it in. It's, it's gotta be like a Facebook video. It's gotta be something that's like, oh shit, this is someone I know. This is something Mm -hmm. like this. But if you have no attachment to it and you skip through to watch Smosh videos or a ship getting made that, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, ship getting made was interesting, (laughs) but it's, it's, that's what sucks. And that's, what's really crazy is that people can't get behind something like that. You would think that we would be at a better level of empathy with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, empathy is definitely lacking, especially in in these systems. These systems lack empathy uh, because it becomes mundane to them. It becomes uh, minutia. It becomes noise. Uh, Prosecutors that see child abuse cases day after day after day, you know, they just get desensitized to it. You're just another folder on their desk. You're not a family member who had somebody completely ripped out of your life unexpectedly. You're a manila folder sitting on someone's desk. You're a number. You're a, a shot at either winning or losing. Um, it's like a chess game. And all the people are little pieces that are being played. And it's frustrating. And for me, you know, I think the advocacy and talking about it is one part of it. But until we're willing to, you know, stand up and either call on our our, our uh, representatives to do something, or if they're not willing to do it, step in and say, get out of the way, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll run for office. You know, that may be the route I go. I don't necessarily want to be in politics. I don't necessarily want to be a representative of the people of New Mexico. Um, it's not something that I've ever aspired to be, you know, but if that's the only way that I'm going to see the changes that need to happen in the state to prevent kids from dying left and right, then I'm going to do it. Don't you think that's how a lot of them when they first went into office felt was that they were going to do, but the the system is just so corrupt that it does that to people. It numbs that down. It's hard to know. I think that there are some people who, who view uh, politics and public office as a means to satisfy their ego to satisfy their own narcissism, to uh, make themselves feel important. And um, so I think that there's, there's a level of that. I'm sure there are some people in office that have those kind of strong 
opinions and, and things that they want to change. Uh, and probably they do get beat down because of the people who are only there for their own power. Do you think that with the power of social media or the power of media now, it can be used in a way that it's not like, oh, I just took another selfie on Instagram, but could be more on the lines of a factor of being able to expose more of this? Because, you know, doing this in a podcast form, that's one of a lot of other podcasts out there that are not doing this. Like there are mm -hmm. movie reviews that people want to listen to. It is depressing stuff. Like you did mention, it is going to be depressing. Honestly, I felt bad before when we started this about like messaging you so early in the morning and then you hit me with that. And now I'm like, you should be feeling like, sorry for me right now, because that <laughs> fucking took me down a little bit, but I think sorry. it brings, you know, it's fine. It's real. And that's the yeah. importance of this, of having real conversation is the aspect of you need to understand that the world's not so peachy keen. It's not right. so like there's a lot of think uh, with coronavirus that happened. People notice you're not in that much control of your life and that someone else can take that at any moment mm -hmm. from you. I think that should wake up people to want to find things like yourself. That's how I wanted to find out. I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me to stay home for a sickness thing. Okay, I'll do that. For two weeks, that's fine. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, now you're going to get a $5,000 fine if you leave your house. Where do my rights fall in? Where do I feel like I'm actually in control of my life and some person's not just letting me do what I want until it falls out of their line and they have to say something to me? That is an issue. And with the power of media and social media now, there should be more voices that should be heard like this. People should want to know more about this, which is surprising to me that like it took a, a podcast I had to listen to with Josh Dubin of the innocence project to even understand what that was finding mm -hmm. out blood splatter analysis does not mean anything finding it the match burning, like, Oh, this, this, whatever, this started a fire. That's a course you can take. It's like 40 something hours. I can get that done in a week. It's like, hang on a second. So what have I been told through movies is bullshit and convince me that this is a perfect system when really it's in a really flawed and shitty system that is running on broken wheels right now. Yeah. I mean, you can confess to murder and get away with it. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that I've learned. Like I said, the justice system isn't just, and I do think that social media has a part to play, you know? Yeah. I have my podcast. A lot of the advocating that I do is done through social media. It's done on Facebook, it's done on TikTok, it's done on Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, that that's another way to get the message out there. Um, if people can't handle hearing the entire story, well, here's a little snippet of it and here's why it's important. And then here's some action that you can take. Uh, I think social media is important to that. Uh, social media has its problems. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a ton of wackos out there that you know, and a bunch of trolls that, that make things, you know, difficult, but if you just can ignore that and, and power through it, uh, it, it can be powerful and it can be impactful. And I think that part of the reason that my show has been relatively successful is because of social media. Do you think that like, for instance, I've been kind of interested in the OJ trial thing. I've been watching a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Um, when it, you know, obviously it's long over with, but, um, the whole factor of like, you're really watching the case and it seems like that's the only time when it's a celebrity is when people will actually watch the full thing mostly on the aspect of they can't believe he did it like there's people out there that say bill cosby's innocent and it's like he admitted <laughs> to what he did you know it's not that's not a, it's just that's how it was back in the day i'm not giving him 
whatever safeguard for it or anything. But when it comes to someone famous, it's like, I can't believe that can be true. I'm going to watch this till the end. I'm going to focus on and really try not to call OJ guilty because I love him from Naked Gun or I love his sports or whatever. But immediately what like even I'll even reference Josh Dubin here is what he said is when you say jury duty, oh, I got jury duty. You should be happy you got that because that gives you the opportunity to use your leveled mind to try and figure out if this person is guilty or not. Understand the facts that you literally are controlling this person's life or whoever's on trial. But the problem is whenever someone comes up and says, so the accused, as soon as you say accused, it thinks guilty in their head. It thinks all these, the the words that get crafted into the judicial system and in a court case are really against whoever's up whoever is even thinking, and it's not in for the defendant either. It's like the defendant can be put on trial at any moment. So you got the person that's being prosecuted and then you got the people that are prosecuting. They're both on the same playing field. That makes it even sure. But then anybody can be brought down a second. And then you're like, hold on a second. We're here because he killed somebody. Why are you guys yelling at us and saying we're guilty? That doesn't make any sense. It's all the words that get used. It's just trying to convince it with the devil's tongue to people's ears. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think defendants should have rights. I absolutely agree with that. I think that there should be more safeguards to prevent people from being wrongfully accused. But at the same time, victims need to also have rights. People who who are victimized by by some of these people, they need to have a means to uh, to stand up for themselves. Right. Because if not, what's the what's even the point of having all of this? What's the point of it? It's pointless. There was a thing probably late, late, late 90s. Um, it kind of stopped around, like it started kind of in the beginning of the 70s and then kind of faded out towards the 90s. There's a thing called Truth Wizards. I don't know if you've ever heard of Truth Wizards before, but they mm-hmm. were people that were more likely to be appointed into spots where you would need to find a person that could sense bullshit. Um, very few people have this gift. It's a test you can take, but it's like if somebody's feeding you a story, you're like immediately going, all right, come on. What the fuck are you talking about? That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's, what's the real truth here? Those people were appointed to be cops. Those people were appointed to be judges. Those people were able to sense out a, a, a story, a tale, not the full truth. They were called truth wizards. That doesn't seem like that's happening anymore. Nowadays, you walk up to a court thing. Like, for instance, I, I knew a friend of mine who was like, I got this judge. It's going to be bet. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get off. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to get off? You were caught with a large amount of drugs. He goes, the dude's Christian. I'll just say I'm religious. He'd get me off like he did last time. He was right. He got him off. Dude said he found God. I said, hang on a second. So you can do that and that can be accepted. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your race. The full effect of the crime has to be analyzed. You can't just see, look at a person and go, I found God. I had a, did a podcast on a thing called General Butt Naked that got cracked recently. It was about an African warlord who used to eat babies and all these things. Mm. And he found God. And then he turned his whole life around. And then someone says, how are you going to give that person, how are you going to side with that person and say everything he's done in the past has been forgiven? I said, I'm not saying that. He doesn't even think he's forgiven. He said he's going to suffer in hell. And he sees the faces of all the people he's killed. But he didn't understand that was a bad thing. In Africa, you learn from the animals around you. You do your best to survive. 
So he's now building homes for child for children that are starving. He's breaking up child war camps. He's tearing down warlords in Africa with all the money that he makes, starting a whole project. What I'm saying is you got to look at something and you got to really analyze something. Is somebody being truthful for you when they said that, yeah, I did it and I'm and I'm a bad person. I need to go away. Or are they just saying I'm a bad person? I, I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry. There was so much sarcasm in that tone that people don't sense anymore. And that's the issue of not having conversation with anybody. When you isolate yourself so much, you miss up on these empathy things. You miss mm -hmm. up on these slight little things, subtle tells that can tell like, holy shit, you're not paying attention here. This is what's happening. This is an issue that's going on in the world. And that shouldn't be affecting our judicial system. Yeah. 100% agree, you know, that, that that should not be affecting the judicial system. I think that uh, there's so much work to be done. I'm sure there's a lot of work in other states that need to be done. Um, but I'm focusing on my corner of the world where I live, where it affects people I care about and people I love. Um, and, and that's really what, like I said, what drives me, what keeps me going is um, making people aware of what's actually happening. Uh, because you know, if, unless you can step back and look at it from from the long view, like I've been able to because of my brother, it's it's hard to see how big this problem is. It's a it's a huge problem, and there's a lot of factors that play into it. You know, we've got some of the highest poverty levels in the country in this state. We have some of the lowest education levels in this state. Um, high school completion rates are very low. Uh, not to mention the quality of our schools. We're, we're always competing with Mississippi for the worst schools in the country. So all of these things play into, you know, different family pressures. Combine that with um, continued generational abuse, just year, you know, generation after generation. This person's dad abused them, they abused their kids, and it keeps going forever because there's no systems in place to protect these kids that work, it's going to continue happening, you know, until people uh, have these pressures. And I'm not saying that people that are poor are necessarily abusers. I'm just saying that those pressures can build up on people, you know, and they can lead to things like uh, sex trafficking and drug trafficking and all these other things that cause other problems in the household. So all these issues are connected. It's a much bigger problem than, you know, than the justice system. Do you find that they would look at the case again, or is the statute of limitations really gone? I know you're still fighting for it, but you would think like in the first year or so, anything you would do, they'd be like, he, they're just act, act, acting out right now of anger because it's so fresh. But after 30 years of still on this track, they think mm -hmm. they would give you a shot here. So I've requested the attorney general look at this in New Mexico. I have a, I have a petition out to get the attorney general to review the case. Um, I can't talk about what's happening with it right now, but I am still working on it. Um, there's a chance that it could, it could go to trial. I don't know how big of a chance, but there's a chance. What are your hopes right now? Like with everything going on, do you think that this is going to keep continuing and it's just never going to stop? Do you think people are going to wake up to it? Because I'm like, you, you mentioned something important, which I think needs to be recognized is the fact that you can only focus on your corner. Mm -hmm. You've got a 
a lot more people that are focusing on their corner, there's going to be change. I think yeah. everyone thinks in the global idea of things, thinking they need to affect everywhere. And that's especially with something like this. When you hear something like this, you immediately want to go, I need, or any rational human being wants to go, I want to fucking fix it everywhere. Yeah. You need to work in your community because in your community, if everyone does that, then the whole thing's going to start to see a change. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that, um, like I said before, in the beginning, I'm, I'm passionate and persistent. Um, so whatever it takes for me to see change in this, in the right direction with this issue, I'm going to do it. Um, and like I said before, if that means I have to run for office, then I will. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue pr providing a platform for people to share their stories, to give their voice. Um, hold on a second. Sorry. Have you found a similar group of people that have connected on the same thing as you with this? Like similar stories? Yeah. Well, there's a lot. And uh, I've been able to interview several people who are in the same situation. Um, you know, that, that's been helpful as well. I think it does illustrate the issue. Um, but what I was, what I was kind of where I was going with that is I think that if we can see that change here in, in New Mexico, maybe that will inspire somebody in Arizona or Texas or Colorado to do the same thing right? Maybe that'll inspire somebody in another state that's having similar issues to say, hey, this was successful. So I'm going to try this over here. And, and that would be amazing. You know, I, I would hope that would happen because I do want, I want the entire world to be safe. Right now, I know there's always going to be people out there that are horrible. I'm not naive to that. But if we can make it so that they don't get away with it, you know, then at least maybe there's some justice there. Yeah, I think obviously crime is going to happen, but they shouldn't still have to be going through a crime in our system to get, I guess, what is it? What is it? Recumbents for it? Recumbents? What is it? Rec recompension for redemption for it or something? Um, Being able to, you know, if you go through a crime, let's say somebody shoots somebody, you're still dealing with that pain just going through court. It feels like you're more on trial. You can't even get the compensation of what you need of what you want what, what what is deserved to you after experiencing something like this you basically just want it over with because it's still too painful to deal with the mm -hmm. lawyers to deal with this whole system that's putting you basically on trial as well yeah i know Absolutely. your other podcast has to be positive because if you're dealing with it this is. on your first one it I was is about to say Holy <laughs> shit. it is but it's it's spooky so like that's the funny thing is i uh i'm into weird shit i'm just I've always been into weird shit uh, ever since I was young. You know, I've, I was always into, you know, stories about crime, but also paranormal stuff. And so I decided to create a paranormal show with my buddy, Alex, and it's actually a comedy podcast. So it's a lot more lighthearted. Uh, it gives me a good break from all the conversations about murder and, and we could talk about weird, weird shit, you know, ghosts and, Bigfoot and all that kind of fun stuff as well. You just said one of my favorite words is Bigfoot. <laughs> I think he's interdimensional now that I start looking back at it. Like if you look at, uh, do I think it was a species race? I don't know, but 
there are so many accounts from North America that also to the Tibetan mountains that give close representation of the same idea of a Bigfoot or a species of this hominid mm -hmm. ape that are so mm -hmm. close in detail back before the age of cell phones. So it's like, how did that happen? So I'm thinking it's like a, you have to take peyote or you have to take some type of drug that bends the fabric of reality that makes you see this other ex existence, which is Bigfoot where he re resides. I think that, um, when you look at the history of the world and the planet, there was a giant ape. Gigantopithecus existed in the Pleistocene era. Um, so it's not that far off a of base to think that maybe there could be, you know, some sort of animal that exists that is similar to that. I mean, there, there have been tons of animals that were thought to be fake or non-existent that have been proven to be real. Uh, you look at the Okapi, which is kind of like a zebra-antelope hybrid. Uh, people were seeing that animal, claiming that it existed. Nobody believed them. And then they found out that that animal does exist, eventually. Um, the colacanth, which is an ancient fish fish looks on like Netflix. a rock. Yeah. Huh. They didn't think that existed. And then they found it. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that something like this could be real and could exist in this planet. Um, it could be reclusive. It could be hiding. It's possible. He's uh, probably the most believable one. The absolutely. One I would say is probably mostly bullshit is I'm going to have to toss it out. There would be the Loch Ness monster yeah. only because now if you go down into town, it's like Roswell, New Mexico, everything in that town happens to do with the Loch Ness monster. It's just, that's their, that's their bread and butter. It's a tourist attraction. Aliens. We're aliens in Roswell. Well, no, I meant for the Loch Ness Monster, but like oh, for Roswell, New Mexico, it's the same thing. It's aliens. Yeah. It's that's, yeah. that's their bread and butter. Their McDonald's is shaped like a UFO. It all says, oh, I saw the alien. I wasn't mm -hmm. abducted. It's like, mm -hmm. that's when it starts looking like, all right, now who created this shitty thing? But Bigfoot yeah. is the one that's like, oh my God, like that could actually be a possibility that there's an ape. I think that's probably the most realistic cryptid. And and from the research I've done, I, I, I believe that that's probably the most credible possibility. Uh, you look at something like a chupacabra, it's that's, I think, completely made up. <laughs> um, because I, I'm with you on that because I saw I'm going to I'm going to take it back to rocket power. OK, yeah, when um, there's a episode of rocket power where the girl was making the little like uh, the munchkin uh monster demon things and she was mm -hmm. like this is how i make their footprints after she got caught she mm -hmm. put her fist in the sand and then took her fingers and look little dots above the things they look like small little feet i'm like that's got to be something i mean i'm not saying crop circles are created by man but i'm saying the factor of like kill a chicken or kill a goat and then just drain it or do something <laughs> like that whatever that is that could be anything it doesn't it could be, be anything could it be yeah. a demon monster yeah and you know, it's so funny because you look at when that all happened, when like, so Chupacabra, the myth of it, it didn't start until the nineties. So that's not to say that it's not true because of that, because every, you know, everything has its time when it starts, but <laughs> it started right around the time a movie came out called Species. And when that movie came out, a couple of weeks later, maybe a few weeks later, this woman in Puerto Rico claimed that she saw a chupacabra and the way she described it was almost exactly like the creature in Species. Oh, it's the optical illusion thing, man. 
that is an optical illusion. It's also known as shadow people. When you're sleeping oh, yeah. in bed and you start feeling like you're somebody that. in the corner. Yeah, that's a thing. I remember I saw, uh, what was it? Oh, my God. It was the werewolf movie uh, with the hot-ass chick that plays in it. She's always wearing a black suit. Oh, my God. What's the name? Darkness or something? I haven't watched it. Uh, but there's a the ending part where they're fighting vampires, too. So it's the king werewolf and the king vampires. That movie was so infused with werewolves that I was riding my bike at night. And I swear to God, I thought there was one behind me. Like I kept turning around like, holy shit. It's that whole thing is that you get, it gets imprinted into your mind. And next thing you know, you start seeing stuff. Yeah. If it's on a subconscious level, you may not even be aware that that's happening, right? You may not be aware that you are projecting that from your subconscious into your conscious mind. And, um, but yeah, and, and the shadow people is, is fascinating. You know, my buddy and I, so the show is called Dos Pequeños. It's mostly about New Mexico paranormal. But um, we did talk about shadow people because that is a more universal experience that people around the world have experienced. And man, I can't imagine, I've never experienced it, but I can't imagine the terror of just being completely immobilized, but also awake. I can um, tell you it's not fun. I've experienced <laughs> it when um, I think somebody woke me up while I was like sleepwalking or in the midst of sleepwalking. Cause um, I used to sleepwalk all the time as a kid. Um, my dad, like he would get home at like three o'clock in the morning, and watch TV or something for like an hour and then get ready for bed. But I would always just come down and sit on the couch and you would say like, I, you would just stand, like sit there and watch TV with me. Like it was the weirdest <laughs> thing. You wouldn't say anything. I was like, I don't remember a single thing you're talking about. I remember one time <laughs> he picked me up and he would always take me back to bed because I'd always wake up in my bed. And he did it one time when I was like eight. And as he placed me on my bed, I woke up. And I was technically still sleepwalking. So where I was laying in my bed, my door was to like the corner left. And then there's a window to my right. Everything flipped. I felt like mm. I was in a parallel universe where my door was on my right and I couldn't move my body. Like I could not lift my arms. I couldn't lift my legs. It felt like I was just like, I had no feeling anywhere. I thought I was paralyzed and I couldn't. And my brain was freaking out, trying to rewire everything back into position. It felt like my whole room got flipped upside down in my mind. Just like best thing I do was shut my eyes and try and go back to sleep. But like, it, it was this, that fear where it was like, I don't know what to do right now. And it had me in such a disorientation where I couldn't even understand, like, where, where do I go? What do I do? Who do I scream yeah. for? Couldn't even yell. That's terrifying, man. Like, the, the, I think that was the scariest part of that episode was was learning that people actually experience that. And um, when I looked into the science of it, you know, it's pretty clear that our body does have a system that stops us from hurting ourselves when we're asleep. So it, it basically does immobilize you when you get into a deep enough sleep so you don't fall off the bed and like break your neck or something. Um, it's and, the same thing with car crashes. Um, when your body goes numb like that, it's actually best, like even if you fall, it's best to just go numb, mostly mm -hmm. because of the fall. Because if you try and stick yourself out to stop something, if you're in a car accident, if your bones are jolted in a certain way, like if they, I always hear in, um, in like a car accident, it's like, good thing that they got knocked out from that. It's like, what do you mean? Like my buddy was in a severe drinking and driving accident where he got his foot ripped off. He got a bunch of mm -hmm. stuff happened to him. He had to get like, he's a major, like his skull cracks, so they had to reform his skull. Oh. Um, he was talking about it. He was like, the best thing a doctor said to me, he goes, I wouldn't be alive if I didn't get knocked out after the initial hit. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, my body went numb. If I would have stuck my arms out trying to block and trying to do my best to keep myself away from danger, I could have even broke anything more and could have died. And I was mm -hmm. like, damn, like, 
does that make sense? I mean, when you're falling off your bunk bed and you're numb and you hear a kid didn't get hurt from that, but then like, it's those times when you wake up as you're falling, you're like, Oh shit. And then you hit the ground and that's when you hear somebody <laughs> well, it's scream. The, it's the tension, right? The tension you put in your body makes yeah. it much worse than if you were relaxed and just let it happen. Um, you'd still get injured, but maybe not as badly. Um, I remember one time I fell off a scooter. I was riding down the road and I was, you know, not like a, a kick scooter, but an actual like moped situation. And when I fell, I braced myself with my arm and I jacked up my shoulder uh, and it's still jacked up to this day. It's been like 12 years since that's happened. Uh, so if I would have just like rolled onto the pavement, it probably would have been a lot better. I just got scraped up a little bit instead of jacking up my tendons and all the stuff that I ended up fucking up. <laughs> that happened to me, but it was on a less manly machine. <laughs> I was on a rib stick. Okay. I got the speed wobbles. And I just to duck down and do like a barrel roll. And I did that. But the way I did it was I kept my feet straight. And oh, yeah. I freaking like just I, oh, I I shredded my whole everything on my feet, man. I thought I, oh. I dislocated my foot. It was bad. <laughs> That's the worst. It was on a ripstick, too. So it's like, how did this happen? It's like I was hit by a car. I was <laughs> hit by a car. I did not jump off of a ripstick. Well, and I don't know if I would call a moped manly. <laughs> Look, it's better than a ripstick, bro. You can't just be like, I, I fell off my scooter. You could say that, but I go, I fell off of a fucking thing where you have to squish your feet back and forth. That's like saying you rode on Heelys. If you got hurt on That's Heelys, true. you deserve to get hurt. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Unless they were light up Heelys and then you're cool. Yeah, whoever that guy was that would just skate around school with those, I was so jealous, but I was also just like making comments because of my jealousy. Oh, for sure. It's like the people... <laughs> Let's bring that back, roller rinks. That yeah. was fun. And that's where people got hurt. I would always stick my arms out to brace myself. Next thing I know, <laughs> have a cast on my arm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, look, dude, that's amazing how we can go from something as tragic and as serious as that to talking about cryptids. And you need that too, because I, I mean, I took psychology classes and at three o'clock in the morning, because I don't sleep, I'd be listening to the, some of the most horrific incidences of kids with schizophrenia and all this stuff. And I, it had me drain the whole day. And that's a, not a life to live. So it's good that you have one where it keeps the positivity and then you do it with a friend. Dude, thank you for giving me your time. I hit you up with a yeah. random DM. You got some trust issues if you're able to be that open. <laughs> Hey, I figured if it was online, I could just close my browser if it if it got too weird. Put tape over the freaking camera. No, but please promote your podcast, man. Let people know where they can find and anything that anybody you have any advice for someone out there that might be curious and wanting to know a way to help. Sure. So, um, if you are interested in true crime or justice at all, you can go to trueconsequences.com. Uh, True Consequences is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, basically, every platform you can think of, I'm there. Uh, Dos Pequeños is uh, dospequeños.com, D-O-S-S-P-O-O-K-Q-U-E-N-O-S.com. Um, I will put that find... in the description. Good God. <laughs> uh, you can find, again, that show wherever you listen to podcasts as well. I'm all over social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. Um, yeah. And if you want to help with Jacob's case, I have a change.org, uh, petition for it's, it's called justice for Jacob Lundin. Um, you just have to search, search for Jacob Lundin and it'll pop up. Probably. I believe it's also on my website. 
I'll make sure I link it all in the description so people can find it. And seriously, man, thank you for sharing that and also being on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you want to visit iTunes or Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and even share the show. Helps me out. Leave me a little something like a little message about oregano or Domino's pizza or how Papa John's is evil. Thanks for checking out Out of the Blank Podcast.